All right, are we ready to start the show? Let's do it. I'm recording. Is everybody recording? I'm recording also. I'm recording. Georgia, you're recording? I am recording. Okay. Bree said she's recording. She can't tell us now that she wasn't recording. Well, she, she can. <laughs> she could. She might do I that. I can do whatever I want this America. <laughs> Hi there, welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. I am Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with uh, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Bri has installed a staircase right next to her microphone. Are you a Foley artist now, or what, what is... <laughs> We're going to start doing radio dramas here yeah. on Isometric. <laughs> uh, that, Hello, that would... Steve. How are, how are you doing? I, I'm fantastic. How are you? What I happened am... to... Who stole Brie? <laughs> I want Brie back. I I don't know what you're talking about. No, feel, no, 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 no. We're returning perfectly... this Brie. This <laughs> Brie is faulty. Did you go to Best Buy today? <laughs> Who are you addressing that question to? No, You could Brie. be addressing that to Because she sounds like she's been to Best Buy and it sucked the soul out of her. Is what, is what I, it sounds um, like. I am just at peace with myself in the world today, and I'm just ready to do a fun episode of Isometric. Why does it sound like I'm be- we're, we're we're doing with Bree the nun version? <laughs> Whatever. Are you going to be habit. revealed? Surely. This is like the mirror, mirror Bree with a goatee, and, and you know this is this is the evil universe right. Bree. Right, right. Do you guys right. think that maybe like she needs a full week to charge up? And since we're recording this show really early, Bree hasn't yet recalibrated her <laughs> cyborg that, implants. No, that is true. I did take today off of work because I was so exhausted. So, and you know, Maddie, I I hope you'll be happy to know I gave the game you spoke quite well of Final Fantasy Thirteen Three Lightning Returns a second shot, and I might have some comments spoken you know not out of turn later in the show today. Okay. Did it break you or something? Like, is that what happened? I, I object to Zen Bree. <laughs> Zen Bree might be great for health, but probably not great for the show. <laughs> I, I, I do have this pile of pixie sticks here. I could, I could, go ahead. You got to do a few put pixie it. sticks, I think. All right, we need, all right. Go ahead and then all right. we can all right. redo Hold that on. intro. Okay. Well, while, while you ingest some pixie sticks, let me... Oh, my God. Hold wait, maybe, no, no, no. maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just let this happen. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> she's, oh, powering up. Yeah. she's powering up. Woo! That's it. Yeah. Do you have like yeah, a blue raspberry upper lip now? Like a little bit of blue raspberry on your nose? I do. Whatever it is. I do. Oh. I do. I want to tell you, Steve Lubitz, I am the dowanatrix of this show. <laughs> I am going to command the show today and keep it yes. online. Yes, in the power of this show, Bree, you are liberated. That's right. I don't I don't I, know what's happening right now. I don't <laughs> but I do know that I haven't been introduced. I know that much. We have assistant games editor from Pace Magazine and uh highly confused individual Maddie Myers. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing okay. I <laughs> I feel like a gimmick is ongoing and I don't know what the gimmick is so I don't know how to play into it but I'm ready to yes and this joke as soon as we find out what it is I'm just poised ready ready to counter with more jokes I- I'm just glad that Bree has come back to rule Boston on a on a throne of pixie sticks 
do you mean games boss let's bring games boss yeah. back i don't want yeah. games boss to go anywhere i want that phrase to be in our back pocket i agree i want you to introduce me to that every week i nearly got detained at the u.s border for carrying pixie sticks <laughs> are you serious <laughs> i did i had a whole bunch of pixie sticks in my bag i'm like and i have this thought as i go through i'm like what if they know? What if they know how ridiculously <laughs> addictive these things are? Like, what will happen to me? I would be so worried. A whole bunch of sticks of of, of powder. <laughs> I don't think I would cross the border with them. I would be too worried. Uh, excuse me, Miss. What are you doing with all these sticks of powder? What what exactly is this? Can we go take a take a walk to have a conversation, please? Sticks of pixie is what I thought you were going to say, which would have been way weirder. Oh, maybe that's what anyway, they call them in Ireland. I hope so. They should. If they don't, they should. And someone needs to start that. Maybe leprechaun sticks. Is that racist? I don't know. I don't know anything about Ireland. I'm sorry, everyone. It would be racist against leprechauns. Uh, well, yeah, but yeah. Since and they're I not don't really, they don't really exist. As far as we know. Oh, as far as we yeah. know. I'm sorry. Did I just? Besides, the leprechauns eat lucky charms, not pixie sticks. Everybody knows that. That's true. That is true. Everybody does know that. At least here in America, we know yeah. that. That's all we know. Uh, so, so we also have a psychotherapist, senior editor from iWord.com and leprechaun expert, George Dow. How you doing, Georgia? Apocalypse Dow! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Apocalypse Dow. I like Apocalypse that one. That's Dow. fantastic. That, I like That's scary. I like that probably too much. <laughs> I tried for a hard, a long time to come up with something for Maddie. And I have a list of words that rhyme with Maddie. They're not good. None of them are going to be good. I think we've gone over they're this not, on the show. They're not good. There's yeah. fatty. Mm-hmm. That's the obvious one yeah. is fatty. fatty. Also not great. Crappy. Does that rhyme? That's not a rhyme. I, I'm really forced. And the only thing I could come up that rhymes with Steve Lubitz is shave and a haircut Lubitz. <laughs> I kind of like that. And I uh, tried for so long. Like, Frank and I were in the car, and we talked for, like, 40 minutes trying to solve this problem. Oh, my but God. But we came up with Apocalypse Dow, like, in four like, seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got a lot of Jiffy Lube when I was in high school. That wasn't very pleasant. That, that wasn't yeah? good. No. Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah. No. Uh, we don't need to I, go back I there. I think you've got to change your last name. Well, you know, I, I could change it to, like, Power. You know, Steve Power. How about that? Okay. You know? Just Pretty like good. just like Homer Simpson, there's a right way, the wrong way, and the Max Power way. Mm. It's the wrong way, only faster. I don't think you come off as Steve Power. I'm no, sorry. I don't think so. I don't think I could pull that off. I'd be letting a lot of people down on a regular basis, which you know, well, it's it's pretty much the same as usual. But wow. Maddie, could you pull that off, Maddie Power? I don't know, Georgia no, Power. It, it depends like on a... who she's cosplaying as. I think. Yeah. Yeah. How about Mighty Maddie? I used to go by that as my band name. Not so much anymore. Uh, Magic Maddie. <laughs> oh, I like yeah, that. I'll just I'll just keep working on that yeah. stripping routine. I hear it's going to pay way more than games journalism. Oh, so, geez. and there's about as much career advancement. See, I was thinking, like you said, Mighty Maddie, and I wasn't even thinking about stripping, though I should have. I was thinking about the name of the mouse because it used to be Mighty uh, Mouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then Apple changed it to the Magic Mouse. So I was going yeah. with the Apple joke, and you turned it into. Yeah. See, see, well, why, why are you? Why is yeah. your brain got to be got to be going there, Maddie? You know? Yeah, I don't because know, of last week's show. Know. Because of every show, I don't know. I don't know. We do go there. <laughs> we go there. Uh, the show is about video games, or yeah. so I've been told. Well, we're, we're also recording this, like, absurdly early this week. We are. So, so we have so much new news. 
We have about three days worth of new news, and most of those days were weekend days. Yeah. So, yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do we want to start with the fact that the internet is horrible, or do we want to do we want to let let that be a slow burn? I, I don't know how you want to start this because let's get right to it. Let's talk about the horrible internet. What do you say, Georgia Dow? <laughs> <laughs> the internet is horrible. All right. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> So one of the one of the pieces of news that came out from E3 last week is that uh, Forza Six is going to be coming out soon for the Xbox One, and for the first time in the series, you're going to be able to drive as a woman in the series. Which Woo! did were you able to do that in Forza Horizon Two? Was no. that an option? No, no, no. Okay, no. You're this <laughs> terrible looking like white dude with like a t-shirt that like <laughs> if there's a poster child for like fratastic bro gamers it's like this dude it's like <laughs> so it's really like it's really disturbing to be playing forza horizon and like you're pumping along the 36 by red line and you're like oh you're in the groove and you're going around corners and you're racing and you're like lamborghini and you're like feeling so awesome and then you tear past him and you win the race and that toe shows a picture of you and you're like this terrible looking white dude no it was a problem okay <laughs> <laughs> so they've changed all that yeah so so it's all better now yeah, yeah it's fixed and everybody reacted to it with nothing but kindness well can i, I think. can i read can i read some of the so just just I'm, read the ones that you can read on a on a non-explicit show georgia so right because <laughs> we never would do that yeah um okay so after the article people get to um weigh in on their thoughts on this so one says I always wondered how to be a bad driver. Hmm, might give this a shot. Then, this should be a woman that you can pretend it's a man the whole time. You never see the driver. You could just pretend you're a man the whole time if you cared. Because that's what women that play video games always have to do. Um, <laughs> wow, some people, here we go. Some, someone's actually mentioning how this is bad. Wow, some people just hate women. Why should someone have a problem with an option to choose a female avatar? Come on. This has no effect on the gameplay. It's just choice. And then that um, guy was tied up and burned at the stake. Right, right. He, actually, you, he's never heard from again. <laughs> he, I feel um, like there are several along the same lines as the first comment, at least that I saw. Very, various jokes about how women are bad drivers. At least it's not a parallel parking simulator is one that I remember without having to look it up. There are a bunch of, like, gifs making fun of women. Like, every man has this look when his wife is driving. It shows two kids in, like, a toddler driving car. There's another animated gif of somebody, like, wrecking their car while they're parking it. There are, you know, comments, like, belittling the idea of, like, women wanting to be included in games. Like, the top comment on the entire thing is, this is a good start, but 100% realism is mandatory for purists such as myself. No ability to choose biracial, bi-gender, bi-curious woman slash man who identifies as a Malaysian dwarf. No bi. Sorry. And it's just, it's so cynical and belittling of anyone that just wants to see themselves in games. It's just smarmy and it's just being an asshole. There's just no other word for it. These are just comments from assholes. And it doesn't force you to play as a woman. Nope. You have the choice. It's just giving you the choice. Right. And then someone else says, oh, and people said that games were sexist. Right. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're um, fixed now, right? I mean, everything's they're good done. Now. They're done. Yeah. So yeah, everything, um, everything's better now. It's all good. 
I somebody's gonna be like, these are just jokes. So can I go ahead and respond to that? That sure, little. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so Georgia, you've probably heard about this. Uh, there's a thing called stereotype threat, which basically says that, uh, if you tell people that they're biologically going to be worse at something, like for example, if you tell a woman that she's bad at math and then you give her a math test, she'll actually perform worse on the math test than a woman who just takes the same test without having been reminded that she's supposed to be mad at bad at math ahead of time. And, um, same goes with racial stereotypes, uh, same with gender stereotypes. Uh, if, if you reinforce the stereotype that you're supposed to be bad at something, uh, people will internalize that, whether they intend to or not. And um, this idea that women are bad at driving, like, yeah, it's really funny, but there, it's, actu- it's actually like harmful because people will internalize that, that joke over time and like there really aren't that many women professional drivers. That's sad to me that there aren't. And so I, I don't know. I, I know that people think stuff like this is funny and it's just like funny jokes about how women are bad drivers, but like that's not really true and it's like kind of harmful in the long term to, to say jokes like that because <laughs> it does have an effect on people. Yeah, and, and it's just that, that mocking and uh, denigration of you know, not being allowed in, like, just that you would, because you are allowed to be given a choice, like, you can play as, like, elves in game, like, they're saying, oh, it's not realistic and other things, like, you can play as almost anything in a video game, that's why it's a video game, but the the fact that this would be an underlying sense of ridicule does say something about the culture at large and the manner in which they view women. So, yeah, it is just a joke, and I'm sure a lot of the people here just thought of it as a joke. But that this is a joke, it signals our underlying current of the manner in which we have those biased views. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's why they're jokes. So, yes, there's always a little bit of truth in someone's opinion when they make a joke like that. And especially when it's against a whole group of people. We're talking about half the population on the earth. Yeah. Actually, 51% of the population on the earth. Yeah, we outnumber you guys, so we could drive over you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm terrified of that every day. Every time we do this podcast, I'm terrified when he's going to come over and drive over me. Yeah, because we're bad drivers, <laughs> right, Steve? No, it would be very intentional. It yeah, no, be, uh, because you're good drivers, you'd, you'd aim We would pretty, really uh, get it. True. I would parallel park, like, right over these guys in these comment sections anyway it really does bug me to read stuff like this it's like a it's like a slow burn of microaggressions and i mean we were talking before the show about like the idea of outlawing internet comments and i i think Bree, you were kidding when you were talking about that but i actually do think that comments like this are harmful and they've also done some studies about how um if people read an article and then they read a bunch of negative comments it affects their perception of the article <laughs> and like that's not valuable either so I, I don't know. I, I've really liked seeing these sites where the comments aren't immediately available and you have to expand them and they're more curated. I think that's a better option. It changes your view on the article when you read a whole bunch. Now, people that are more angry are, or more upset have a greater chance of writing a comment to it. Like, there's a re- it takes a certain amount of effort to write a comment. So those comments are going to be skewed by people that are highly motivated for a reason to write a comment. So writing, wow, that's great, is not really going to happen. Then you see a whole bunch of similarly skewed um, comments to an article, and you believe that that is the groupsync. That is what 
the zeitgeist of people believe because you've read a whole bunch of data that says that. And we're naturally made to want to be part of the group. We don't like to be the outliers. That, that, that's actually damaging to us as a single organism, not to be part of the group. And so that increases the chance of us wanting to similarly believe so that we're not excluded. And George, I really agree with that. And you know, what's really amazing to me about nerd or gamer culture is I, I remember this very clearly in the 90s, feeling like we were the outliers, right? And like feeling like we were picked on all the time. I remember this real feeling in school that like being a gamer is not something that's been respected. And what's really ironic to me here is they're literally doing the same thing where the gamers are the cool the cool kids, like this is their click. And now like they're believing littling women that just want to be in that group. And I think it's very much othering. It's minimizing. It's, I don't think it's microaggressions, Maddie. I think it's aggression, aggression. And, you know, like, actually, it wasn't a joke when I said, I think we should get rid of comments. I think they have no place in any serious news. And I think they have no place in video game news. All of us these days have a place to post our thoughts on articles. It's Facebook and it's Twitter. And you can post there to your heart's content and talk about the article there. But, like, when I write pieces, you know, that is something that generally I'm being paid to do. And I got the opportunity to do that through my expertise and my industry, you know, bona fides. And, you know, to have what I've carefully worked on offset by a bunch of stupid uninformed, angry comments and have that be equal to the work I've done, it's just useless. And, you know, I think the truth is, like, people, this really frustrates me. People will say, oh, it's just, it's just the internet. Oh, those are just commenters. Listen, IGN is probably the biggest site in video game news, okay? So when we are talking about gamer culture, gamer culture is IGN. Gamer culture are these comments. And the fact that IGN chooses to not moderate it, which, by the way, you know, former women that have worked at IGN have talked about and have said, like, we've asked them and asked them and asked them to go in there and moderate this stuff. And they choose not to, choose not to, choose not to. Like, this has terrible effects for our industry. And just one more thing I have to say here. Like, it's really frustrating that, you know, like, there's been a lot of talk this year about the failures of game journalism, right? Like, um, you know, we, we talk about collusion. But to me, one of the things that's most frustrating about game journalism is there's no one out there to talk about the way that they fail with it. When PC Gamer chooses to not invite women to their event, or at least publicize it, and then they roll in with like one woman and one CEO that help co-sponsor it, you know, Polygon doesn't report on that. Game Informer is not going to report on that. So we literally, like in reflecting our gamer culture, we have no apparatus to push back on that and talk about it. And in that same way, like these comments are just, it's like a unchecked fire where it's like that, that episode in Far Cry 3 where you're out there setting fire to the marijuana plants and the fire just keeps going and it's caught the whole field on fire. And, like, that's what these comments signify, how, like, our industry is, like, this smoldering inflagration of sexism, and it's terrible. There's, there's another way. Um, there's a mid-ground, I think, as well. And, and I agree with you, Brie, by the way. Um, there's a mid-ground um, that we could do, though, because the problem with comments on those sites is that they're, they're, they're anonymous, 
there's an anonymity and there's there's a very little, a very small barrier to entry to be able to write them. On our website, on the website that I write for, um, occasionally, <laughs> um, we don't have, a, we have accountability because you have to log in with your um, email, a valid email in order to be able to write comments to that. And once you get rid of anonymity, the effect of people just mouthing off, spewing off venom goes down sharply. It doesn't get rid of it, but it goes down sharply because now people can be held accountable for their actions. And I've often, like when I get trashed um, online, on my site, they people forget that I have their email. I'll write to them and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> what's – I do. I'll be like, hey, what what is that that article? Like what's up with you calling me all of these names? And and right away, five out of six times people write back, oh, my God, I'm so ho- sorry. I was having a bad day and, you know, I didn't really think you were a real person. Yeah, they. that's what it is, right? Like we've talked about this on the show before too. Like they don't actually see you as a real person. And then if you respond – then they're shocked by that. <laughs> but the reason that I, that is less of an effect, and, and it's been much less now than, than when we first started, I think people are a little bit more, more aware, um, is because that they are accountable to that. And I think that that's the problem with a lot of websites. Um, they want a lot of people to use comments, so they make it really easy for anyone to comment on something. But then you can end up with hate speech. Yeah, and no punishment for that, like no accountability at all. For right. You, can, you just make a new account. It's very, very easy. So there's no way to get rid of it. Even if you got rid of them, people can keep on writing in. There's no way to curate. But if you have to have an email and you have to respond to it through the email, you know, how many email accounts are you going to get? Like you'd have to be really staunchly into <laughs> Georgia, my, I've got some news for you on that subject. People. <laughs> there are no, people I, who will do that, and you've been very lucky not to like run into somebody like that. But yeah, yeah, Georgia, I usually agree with you. I vehemently disagree with you here for many reasons. Um, first, like they've done studies that compared all comments to like comments where you have to actually use your Facebook to log into this. And yeah, my friend Catherine Cross has talked a lot about this, how the, the like looking at internet comments and ascribing it to anonymity, there's a lot of science that shows that that is way overprescribed to be the con- like this, the cause of the angry comments. It is a factor, but it's multifactorial. So what they've discovered, you know, and you can look at her research on this, is that requiring you to use not just an email address, but your real name and your real picture does not significantly lessen the number of trolls giving comments. I don't know if that's accurate. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like debate if she did her article. It's just there's so much research on it, like in not just about, and maybe she's only done research on, I, I don't know, just on the internet. Like it's straight for everything. It's the same reason why we go through more road rage, right? Okay. Because you don't, th- there's no person behind the car, like you become the car. Um, and it's the same reason for that, why people will, like, freak out while driving, whereas they wouldn't if it was more people will freak out while driving than okay. they would if they were, like, in a shopping market. But there's still people that will freak out. And and I think that in the case of something like Gamergate, it's a completely different story for different reasons. Okay. Well, I think what we can do is uh, in the show comments, we could put Catherine Cross's article on, like, her prescription of anonymity to the tone of... Your comments, we could put it there and let our readers read it and make up their own mind uh, mind on it. I think the other thing I would say is, yeah, for you, Georgia, if you go there and you talk to them, yeah, they might change their mind. 
I think it's important to note that just like my experience on the internet is not everyone's, yours isn't either. No, definitely um, not. You don't tend to talk about controversial subjects with all respect. And like, your public presence is a lot different than women that kind of boldly state opinions on things. And I think like, I mean, I've had my experience when I do try to talk to gamer gators and have them see me as a person, it just eggs them on. Yeah. Well, Gamergate is a different is a different story. Gamergate is a movement. And the stuff that's happening on on that article is mostly probably you can tell by the level of vitriol, most of them are not Gamergaters. Gamergate is a movement. And so because of that, it will have a different set of variables that are into play with that because that is an activist movement versus uh, a, an issue with having a website and we want to get rid of all comments on the web. And they are two separate issues. And if she's taught, if um, I didn't read Catherine Cross's article, if she's talking about Gamergators, it is a different set because these people are motivated by a belief system that being an activist makes them better Gamergators. And so it is different because of that. She was talking about it overall, but um, I have to be honest, like I see Gamergators and then I think these IGN commenter commenters are like 60% Gamergators. And just because you're not out there on Kotaku in action, just because you're not out there harassing women and showing, sending death threats, like that's actually a small percentage of the gaming cohort. The larger percentage of the overall population of gamers does have rampant, unchecked unconscious sexism and they do see women as lesser and feel like they don't belong there in ways they frankly haven't thought a lot about i I can tell you Catherine cross's research was talking i her articles was about gamer gators but it was about everyone overall yeah and that might be why it's it's different for her because she's she's doing it in a microcosm Uh, right no, yeah. I'm saying I she wasn't. I'm saying she wasn't. That's the opposite of my I, point. I, right. If she's talking though about yeah. gamer graders, it it is then talking about the microcosm in a macrocosm, right? She was talking about internet comments in relation to Gamergate, but the actual research she brought up to back up her point, which, if I remember correctly, like, can you back me up here, Maddie? I don't remember. It was like multiple studies that she was citing. Am yeah, she, she's done yeah. a lot of studies of not just Gamergate, but of internet comments in general. And we should link to it. It's it's like the bot, her entire body of work. This isn't like one article. It, it would take a while for our readers to get through, but it, it's absolutely worth it if anybody's interested in that. I just wanted to to pop in for a second and just bring up an example. Brie, one time a while ago, you talked about how um, you met this Gamergator, met, virtually met this Gamergator in Destiny, and how you sort of individually convinced him to change his mind because he played with you, not knowing that you play video games and you resurrected him a bunch of times, right? And then he sent you this note being like, oh, hey, I, I had no idea you were a real person, essentially. Well, that was nice, yeah. Or right, yeah, gamer. sure. Yeah. Wasn't he just a real real peach? Um, but <laughs> but you know, you know, I, I think that Georgia is actually doing the same thing on a much smaller level. And there's no way in heck, Brie, that I would ever expect you to individually <laughs> convince every single Gamergator that you're a person. But I actually do think there are some similarities between those stories and the one that Georgia told. Like, Georgia's readers at iMore, uh, I've written for iMore a little bit, and they are a much kinder breed than the Facebook comments on Kotaku or whatever. Definitely. They just are. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it is going to yeah. work for Georgia to email them individually. They probably will react by being like, oh, wow, I'm so sorry I was rude, because they're just a different crowd of people but um 
these other gamer gators, perhaps they too could individually be convinced because I think some of them just honestly don't know any women gamers or they know so few that they've already been able to make up these stereotypes about women and believe them and laugh at them. Do you know what I'm saying? They, they don't, they don't really believe that we're people. They think that we're just a joke and that we don't really play games and, and so on and so forth. They're able to turn us into these uh, bizarre stereotypes because they don't know us and they don't have to. So it's, it's more easy for them to believe that, these lies. I, I think that there's you know? a difference, though, Maddie, in that they're, they treat this more like a religion, right? So that's like trying to have a debate with someone about changing their religion or political like affiliations, which usually it's like, don't bother, right? Right. Like, no, I, I don't think yeah. we should bother. But I, yeah. but I do think there is something to that, that like maybe you, we all agree on one thing, which is that the internet basically aids dehumanization right and like it makes it easier for people to not see us as a person and Mm -hmm. i don't really know how we fix that but i but i do think that that cat cross's research is about that primarily like the fact that online we we have a lot of trouble empathizing with each other because we we real names or not we cannot get past the fact that that we don't know this other person. It's not the same as meeting them at a coffee shop and having a conversation about politics. We treat people more rudely online, not intentionally, you know? And sometimes uh, intentionally, but also it's instant, yes, right? Yes. Like there's an sometimes instant, intentionally. <laughs> there's an yeah. instant situation where you can immediately, you get triggered and you can, which is the first rule of what you shouldn't do when you're triggered, is right away you can write something and send it out there. And then because you have sent it out there and then people are going to attack it, it increases your cognitive dissonance of wanting to defend your belief system even when you notice it might be wrong. You, many people won't, right? Like, but even if you did, you would want to defend it because it's something that you sent out that, a piece of you. Right, yeah. Psychology corner <laughs> with isometric. <laughs> we are really dark really fast, everybody. Uh, can, I, can I ask one question before? We do, we do have to move on, but I just want to ask one question. We, so we have Twitter and we have Facebook and we have ways for people to voice their opinions online. Like what is keeping internet comments alive? Is it purely page views? Because, I mean, I think it's almost universally accepted that comment sections are, for the most part, uh, of little value. And they generally are, you know, a place where awful people tend to congregate, at least on gaming sites. Like, what is keeping a site like like IGN or Polygon or or Kotaku from just shutting it down? Page views. Page views. Okay. I think that also (laughs) a lot of websites want to have user interaction so that they feel a little bit more... Um, a part of the society of the site because what keeps your allegiance to one site versus another? So that feeling of like a site community is also large. Right. You want people to keep coming back to the same place and commenting again and again and getting well known within that community. Right. But I'm not sure whether or not that still works the same way that it did in the early days of media on the internet. I think people... Now that there are so many other social media sites, I feel like comments, I'm ready for them to go the way of the dinosaur personally, but Yeah, I mean, they just, se- they just seem like a, like a vestige of the internet. Because it doesn't, I don't think they actually help page views that much is the actual answer. And a lot of like the older media people I know think that they do. It's sort of like a, 
um, something that we're still figuring out. I mean, there are a lot of things about online journalism that are still being figured out. And this is one of them. Like, how do we deal with reader interaction now that it's possible? And it seemed very exciting at first, right? Because letters to the editor were so, you know, uh, hard to organize. Like that used to be something that you'd have to actually read and curate and publish. And now it's easy. You don't have to do any of the work. You can just put it in there. But, um, now I think all of those old guard media folks are having to sort of reconsider to what extent they want to curate comments and returning to that sort of letters to the editor form, I personally think would be way more valuable, but whatever. I don't, I'm not in charge of all media everywhere yet. So well, soon enough. Soon <laughs> enough. I, you wanted to say something on it? Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. Bri. Okay. So I, I just, I think it's really important to know, like, you know, Georgia, if I ran, I more, I would nuke the comments and, you know, but if you are going to choose to have comments you have a responsibility to moderate them. Yeah. And if yeah. you have a community, yeah. you have yeah. to moderate them. Yes. You have a, and because it really to protects like steam, your community. Exactly. To protect the community. And the writers. And, like, right. and, and everyone. Like, you know, look at Jezebel and the stuff they deal with. Or the Mary Sue. Look at Steam and my experience there where I was flat out abused mm-hmm. by those comments. So, you know, I just, I think that's really got to be, I, I think it's really got to be stressed. Yeah, I just want to say one more time, like, it's such a mistake to say, oh, these are just comments. Right. Something I've learned while, like, curing from my own PTSD or trying to walk it back. So just to tell this story very quickly, when I first started getting targeted by Gamergate, I would sit there and flip my Twitter my Twitter timeline for hours watching this hate come in. And I could not look away. And I know now that the reason I couldn't look away is because like my danger senses are wanting to go out there and stare at what's happened to me. Yeah, what try I've to learned, protect yourself from it. Trying to protect myself. What I've learned trying to get healed from that is you cannot read that stuff all day long. Have it go into your brain over and over and over and over and over and just shrug it off. It is not possible. I used to go like, oh, I'm tough. I'm, you know, I'm used to this. I'm a warrior. It's just not true. It breaks you. And, like, the truth is when you have unmoderated comment sections, it it has terrible effects. Like, the writer, if you're asking them to uh, endure that trauma as part of their job, that's not fair to them. If you're asking women that are part of the gaming community to read that garbage as part of enjoying their hobby, that's not fair to them. And like, if you want to keep comments, fine. I can kind of get on board with that. Polygon actually doesn't do that bad a job moderating comments. But the complete abrogation of IGN's responsibility on this historically, which, let's be fair, it has gotten better under Steve Butts, it's a failure. It affects the audience and it affects everyone involved in ways we don't think about. So don't give me this crap saying it's just comments on the internet. Don't read them. Yay! (laughs) Okay, so why why don't we take a break and talk about something a little bit, actually a lot happier. Um, Yay! And and this episode of Isometric is brought to you by App Camp for Girls. So uh, App Camp for Girls, uh, we've talked about it on this show before. Um, They encourage girls to go into app development as a career. They teach them how to make iPhone apps in a a summer camp program for a week under mentorship of women developers. And they're looking to do uh, App Camp 3.0 to bring the program to more girls in more places. And, I mean, this is a really important program. I think, you know, I'm probably like the least 
qualified of the four of us to talk about how important this this program is. So. Why? You have, you have girls. Daughters? I don't think that that's yeah. even the, the case. You have girls. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I do have girls, but I think that – and I'm trying to get them in, in – I mean, this is for slightly older girls than yeah. mine. I think this is for, like, early, like, eighth, ninth grade girls, and my mm-hmm. girls are still a few years away. But I, it's really, you know, it's important to give as many opportunities – as you can to, to girls when they're, you know, when they're starting out and show them positive role models and positive experiences and show them that this is something that they can do. I mean, again, my daughter is, you know, just doing division right now. I mean, she's in second grade. She's doing division, which is like way ahead, but, um, and I'm hoping to start introducing her to scratch over the summer. But, you know, if this is something that she takes to, I would love for something like app camp for girls to be available locally that someone like Bree could teach, you know, someone like my daughter to, uh, to write an app and kind of push them along that way and make that really something special for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get G McDonald, the CEO of app camp for girls. I, I, I consider her a friend, like for instance, uh, you know, uh, Kate Mulgrew put out, uh, an autobiography recently, Born with Teeth, and she sent that to my house. And, you know, we did a a, um, a panel together at AltConf. And, you know, I feel like I know her. And A, she's a rock star. Like, she really is a rock star. Like, the first time I met her, she was up on stage at Jim Dalrymple's thing with, like, a guitar and being completely, awesome. like, having her gem moment of being up there singing with the band <laughs> behind that. her. So she's awesome. So what I want you, and the thing I also want you to know is the staff for App Camp for Girls are awesome. They're so awesome. Like at WWDC this year, I didn't even want to go hang with the stupid male developers working at Apple or whatever. I wanted to go party <laughs> with the App Camp for Girls people because they're all completely awesome. Like Virginia works for them. So like this whole organization, like it's full of fun funny, energetic people. They're so passionate about this and they're smart and they get development and it's just a super, super great thing. So the only bad thing I could possibly say about App Camp for Girls is it's not the only solution. And I think this is really important to nail that I feel sometimes like people want to say, well, we did this thing to inspire some women with tech. Well, that box is checked off, and the problem's a lot more complicated than that. So this is one very important piece to a much larger puzzle, but it's a really, really fantastic thing. It deserves your support. Yep, and and so what they're doing right now is they're trying to scale it up. Uh, Right now they have camps in Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver. They're looking at going to four new places for 2016 and, and beyond, and they need to buy equipment. They need to recruit and train volunteers. They need to build out a curriculum. And so they're looking to have your help. So they're running an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, it's in the last few days, and they really need your help more than ever. You can go to um, ac4g.net slash relay4appcamp. That's a number four. Um, and we'll have a link in the show notes so you don't have to you know, furiously write that down. Uh, and go and donate what you can. Uh, this, this is a really fantastic cause. Please go do support them as best you can. Uh, yay. yay. Do we want to talk about the Nintendo eShop now? Or do you want, or do we want to yell at Are you at mad at it, Steve? I'm not Are mad you at mad? it. I'm not mad. Okay. No, I'm not mad. I'm not okay. mad. Okay. I thought you might be mad. I'm I don't, not. I don't want you to be mad. I'm never mad at Nintendo. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. We forget about all those yeah. other times. No. But... I, Let I, your inner Brianna Wu out, Steve. <laughs> Let her out. I, I, have to, I have a bunch of bookcases, but then I'd probably knock all the girls' board games down and that would be a bad thing. 
<laughs> there was an interview with the head of uh, of indie development or indie relations at Nintendo this week. They're doing a promotion called Nindies at Home. Um, I'm not sure if it's still go. It probably won't still be going by the time that this that this show airs. But what they did was they uh, they launched it the same at the beginning of E3, and they put nine games out there with demos on the eShop that you could download. And then if you download the demo and you still have it on your Wii U, when the game comes out, then you'll get uh, 15% off the, the price of the full game when it comes out. There was an interview with David Baker, who's the senior manager of marketing and licensing, and talking about what they sh- what they could be doing for indies and what they could do better. Um, and one of the things that that he said was, it seems like a lot of the Nintendo fans and consumers gravitate towards nostalgia. They gravitate towards platformer and puzzle action games. And if I had one one wish to be fulfilled, I would love to see Nintendo fans and consumers take more risks on the eShop. So basically saying that a lot of the games that are really popular are things like Shovel Knight that people know that they're almost going to like. And so that he wants, the, you know, consumers to take more chances on, on the eShop. And... So and then he talked about some other things. A lot of it was that the indies really need to do a lot of a lot of promotion themselves. He looked at things like Microsoft Summer of Arcade or Sony Spring Fever, and he says we look at those opportunities all the time and describes himself as green with envy when he looks at those promotions. So I guess the the question is, you know, what is your opinion right now of indie games on the eShop, and what is it is it is the problem really the audience, or are there other things that? Nintendo could be doing to get the eShop to be more of a, you know, profitable place for indie developers. I mean, I can certainly talk to this. Yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of say today so far. So yeah. does anyone else want to go first or go that, for it? Yeah, you I've, got, okay. I've got a laundry yeah. list, but I'll let you, I'll let you. I'm sure, sure Steve <laughs> has thoughts, but I, I think we can hear from you first, Bree. Sure. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's multifactorial, right? Um, I think on one hand, like, when I go through and I look at the the indie titles that are being developed on, uh, you know, being sold on eShop, uh, just to be blunt, the quality is not there. Uh, they're games that don't really fit with the overall philosophy of Nintendo. Um, like Meme Run on Wii U is a, a shockingly bad game that I'm amazed made it through, like, certification. But even on top of that, like, the the quality of the games is just not there. So, like, you could say Shantae. Shantae is a quality game. But overall, like, these are low-rent, mediocre games that don't really bring innovation to the table or try to do something new. Let's look at the games that succeed. Shovel Knight tried something new. Shantae tried something new. And I think, like, you know, in this piece you're talking about, Steve, they were very critical about the amount of uh, innovation that was being brought to the table. And I very strongly agree with that. But I think it's a real sidestep for Nintendo to put all the blame on developers here. The reason I don't see Giant Space Cat running to work on a Nintendo platform isn't just the Unreal problem. It's the marketing problem. Um, you know, when I go to my 3DS, Mario, 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 Nintendo, 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 and then when you scroll all the way over, it's like one box for indie titles. Yep. And it's very much the same thing on Wii U when you look at that. So they can say they're green with envy with like something like um, Summer of Arcade, but they choose to not promote those games in the same way. 
there's no like screen I can log into on the Nintendo thing. It gives me a huge splash screen of third party people that are working with them. So, you know, it's kind of this chicken and the egg problem where Nintendo is not giving those developers a lot of support. It's it's really worth saying along the way here, Nintendo has a lower cost of development than Sony or Microsoft does. And one of the consequences of that is they're not going to have a huge budget for marketing either. So that's a real problem. So like you have people that don't develop on it because Nintendo doesn't support them. And then if they do develop, it's lower cost games with no marketing budget. And then like it just feeds into this thing where Nintendo doesn't really have a third-party ecosystem. Yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with all of that. And from the consumer perspective... I think that it's – first of all, it's part of it is knowing your audience and the other part of it is that it feels kind of like a dodge to put it on the customer to say that they're not taking chances. Again, like you said, Meme Run, it was featured at one point and, and it's like that's what you're going to feature and then you want people to take chances on games in the eShop. That's not going to happen. The one thing that kind of shocked me is I watched I, I watched like 90% of the, of the E3 video. I had to – I, you know, I had to step away for a couple minutes here and there, but I don't remember them mentioning this Nindies at Home promotion at all during the E3 demo. To, to be fair, they had a lot of other video content during the week, but this was during their one time when they know everybody's going to be watching, they didn't make it a focus. And they have, they, you know, to be fair, they have, you know, highlighted indie games in the past, but, you know, this is a promotion that I don't think a lot of people really knew about. Uh, I mean, we're talking about it late, and it's probably going to be after anybody who's not listening live can really take advantage of it. And, and I will say that there are some – I played through some of those games this weekend, and there are some really good games in there. Uh, Rive is really interesting. It's like a platformer slash twin-stick shooter, and Lovely Planet is like a weird, like, one-hit-kill, first-person shooter type game. And there, there's a couple of other things. And, and Freedom Planet, which I actually have on the Mac, which is like a Sonic clone starring a girl dragon and a girl fox or – not fox, so – like uh, Wolf or something like that. That's actually really good. I've been playing it on the Mac this weekend. The problem is that I go in and I look at the Sony webpage every Tuesday to see what games have come out. And they, they do a really good job of highlighting indie games. And I will buy those games. But the problem is that I'm not, when I'm thinking about it, I'm not necessarily in front of my console. And you can't really buy those games from the eShop webpage. And that's a real big problem because... I have to remember to go and look at it on the on the eShop when if I'm loading up the Wii U, I'm probably playing Splatoon with my kids. I'm not looking to buy something. The problem is that anything that's not like exclusive to the to the eShop, I'm just not going to buy because it's such a pain to buy anything from the eShop given that they don't give you a strong password to be able to store your credit card information. So I don't trust them. I have to enter my credit card in every time. Uh, there's a third, the 32 gig hard drive is a really big problem because then you have to delete something to make room every single time you want to, you want to download something once you have a decent library built up. And then there's the whole thing where it's locked to a single device. So I don't buy anything on my 3ds anymore because I get into analysis paralysis of, well, which 3ds am I going to put it on? Is this for me or my older daughter or or one of the twins? And I, and then I just don't buy it at all because I don't want to have to figure out which one it's going to be locked to. So I really feel like it's. It's one thing, it may be an issue that the, the audience for the eShop is, in, is a limiting factor for some developers, but it's really kind of frustrating for them to put this on the, the audience when the eShop is still such a terrible buying experience 
that if there's anything that's not like a platformer, I'll just go buy it on the PlayStation or I'll buy it through the Humble Store or anything else. And like the Wii U is like the the store of last resort for me as a consumer. Wow. So <laughs> I had some thoughts. Do you guys think Nintendo's going to listen to this show and they're going to finally implement our suggestions? Do you think this might be it? This could be the one, everybody. Fingers crossed. Or just burn it all down and start over, you know? <laughs> I think these are all really good suggestions. I'm just like, where is this going? Are we just sending positive energy out into the ether and hoping that maybe Nintendo will finally figure out how to design a good UI for their store? Because I don't think they will. Well, I hope Dina can. <laughs> I mean, that's the only that's the only kind of hope that, that Dina can actually tell them how to build a store that people will actually shop at. But And that's what they're supposed to be doing. But. One can only hope. Yeah. I have two words. Yeah. I have two words. President Dow. <laughs> <laughs> of Nintendo. Is she the president Put of Nintendo? Put that woman in charge. <laughs> yeah. Put her Princess in charge. Princess Dow. She's Princess, Princess Dow. Dow. Yeah, that was lost real quick. I never got that. I know. I know. Why didn't that. we? I don't know. Why didn't we didn't keep happen. that? You, sometimes that was you gotta in let the pre-show. That was in the unrecorded pre-show. Is yeah, the George we is the Princess you, this you, week? You, you, you peaked too early. Is the problem? <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Georgia, can you take the flaming dung heap of Nintendo and build them up from from the the smoldering rubble to the most wondrous civilization in the history of video the, games? The can Nintendo dung heap into the rise of the Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. It could, it could I happen. mean, like Peach has to do that every time Bowser screws up her kingdom, right? She has to like go clean it up every time. Why isn't there a game about that? Like, whatever. Yeah, I'll, Princess I'll... Peach cleaning. <laughs> Right, like we wouldn't yeah. be all over that. Yeah, like she has to send her minions out to like rebuild all of her structures. That'd be cool. Anyway. Isn't that what Animal Crossing is? Yeah, well, Animal Crossing is a lot of more like social anxiety simulator for me, but whatever. That's my own issues. Wow. I'm never going to get that game. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Um, speaking of mental illness, aren't we going to talk about a thing that Georgia liked? Yeah, well, I don't know. Did you like it, Georgia? I don't know. We we I made you watch it, so it's I don't know if you we liked made it her watch it and then we instructed and her to like it. Isn't that what happened? <laughs> you're gonna watch this and you're gonna like it. Damn it! I looked at it and I liked it, but I don't know what I'm talking about. It's uh, this game called Hellblade. Yeah. I guess. So there, there's this game called Hellblade that got announced uh, the week before E3 uh, from a studio called Ninja Theory, which is known uh, for a couple of things. Most recently, they've been working on Disney Infinity's Combat Engine. Before that, they did the really porny. Uh, Devil May Cry reboot, but before yeah. that they did. <laughs> before that they did, they did the game called a game called Enslaved Journey to the West, which was a really great yeah. um, story game. That's like one of the, like the hidden gems of of the last generation that everybody should play if they haven't already. That game is fantastic. Didn't they also make the another game with uh, the woman from Fringe as the main actress? Oh, did they? Oh, it was like Heaven, the God of Heavenly War. Sword or some, Heavenly yeah. Sword or something like was that? Was that that game with the redhead and she had yeah. like, a ton of hair? It's yeah. Amazing. I that love was an that amazing game. game. I love Loved that it. game. Oh, I got to try that. I've never even... I, I just heard of it game. like when we were talking about this and I never really seen it before. So. I feel like they've had a lot of games that yeah. did interesting things but slipped through the cracks. I don't know why, but... Yeah, so anyway, this hopefully won't be another one of those. Yeah, now they're making uh, Star Wars figures fight each other better in Disney Infinity. <laughs> so. Um, but so they're making this game called Hellblade, uh, which the, the twist with this game is that it stars a, a woman named Senua, and she's a Celtic warrior who was traumatized after the Vikings invaded. And the game kind of looks at it, at things from her point of view as she spirals down into psychosis. 
except that instead of this being kind of like a, you know, scummy type of exploitative exploitative thing, they're actually working with a a nonprofit called the Welcome Trust, which backs backs different efforts to improve awareness of mental health. And they're working with a professor of health and neuroscience at University of Cambridge named Paul Fletcher to make sure that they get this accurate. So I, you know, being our our resident psychotherapist, George, I was really interested in, you know, your take on what they're doing with the game and, and how you think that this is going to turn out, if this is something that could be really, really useful for helping to understand mental illness if they get it right. Okay, so so let me give you the, the two pieces to this. Okay, so Georgia the Gamer, I, I saw the game actually um, before I knew anything really about it. I just saw the visuals, and I loved it. I thought it looked really cool, and I actually wrote it down on one of my like wish lists of games to get eventually. And I loved Heavenly Sword, and I just love the look to it. I think that it's very, very beautiful. I think it's very interesting, and it is an interesting premise. So then let's like like wipe that. So it seems really awesome, and I will play the game. Oh no! Oh <laughs> so no! I love. <laughs> Wait, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Okay, I love the okay. fact that it is. It is dealing with a subject that is usually shunned, and that um, the main character, someone that you are going to identify with, is dealing with mental illness, and she's dealing with it in a very strong and brave and courageous way. Love all of that. Really do. Okay, so then let's wipe that clean. So my worry to it is that. One is that I think that, like, it makes mental illness really scary. And, you know, it also, like, if you have PTSD from dealing with something, it doesn't mean that you're going to become paranoid. It doesn't mean if you have anxiety or depression. So they, they've took a lot of the scariest aspects of dealing with mental illness and put it into a game and then made it even scarier, which I think that if you are someone that um, has paranoid delusions or has auditory or visual hallucinations, I think that this would, and especially if this is like you just started having them, I think that this would not be a game to play because this is really very, very frightening. And mental illness does not have to be frightening. And so that is my worry to it is that it's it's kind of taken a really, I think, interesting premise, but I don't know if it's actually helpful in, like, I love that it's going to be supporting, like, being supported by the Wellcome Trust. I love that it's a charitable foundation. I think that they went about it really well by dealing with the neuroscientist so that they deal with things in a, I don't know if it's in a realistic way, but in a way that is... Informed? Fair. Everyone, everyone in slightly informed. Everyone deals with this completely differently, and, and one person's... Um, way that the what they're dealing with is completely different than someone else's like they're they're using it as just like a trope they're not i don't think that and again i haven't played the game but it doesn't seem like the game is trying to help people with mental illness or help people understand it really well i think that they deal with the trauma of what you go through in a way that is fantasized and realized in a way that people that don't know what mental illness and what people could be going through it kind of shows it visualizes the trauma to that but I think that for people that might be going through this, this might be a really kind of a scary game because if you're just beginning to figure out that you have schizophrenia, which hits people much later in life, right? You could be in your teens or you could be in your 20s and and then things start precipitating. And it can be because of a stress, by the way, that can happen. That's a really frightening kind of way of looking at it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, right? It wouldn't be something that I, I would ask someone that I'm dealing with to try to help them normalize and and come back through to deal with it um plus uh 
an interesting kind of fact is that people that have auditory or visual hallucinations, it is very culturally different. So people that are in India or in Africa that have dealing with schizophrenia, often the voices and things that they see are actually benign or helpful or funny. And in North America, it is almost predominantly, almost 100% negative and harsh and scary. And so a lot of our culture and the way that we look at mental illness has then been, like, changes the manner in which it manifests itself. Because in other cultures, like hearing from people that might be your relatives or having, you know, spirit guides is something that is accepted. And so there's a greater chance that it will be benign, helpful, or something that people look upon as positive. And because of that, they have more positive interactions with that. So do you feel like the game wouldn't necessarily reduce the stigma towards mental illness? Because the game definitely sounds like it is in the latter category. It's more of the, what we think of as stereotypically scary mental illness, right? So It is, but she's a strong character. So she's not someone that... Like, I think that the, I don't think that it's going to stigmatize people more. I think that people that are dealing with it probably should not play this unless they really have a good grasp on what right. they're dealing with. I think it can make it scarier. But I like that she's a strong character. She's, she's dealing with it. She's not, like, being crumpled and destroyed by this. She's decided to fight it, which I think that is great. And I like that she's not someone that people should, be, should fear. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, TV and news and media make put people that deal with mental illness who are, by and large, absolutely benign, kind, caring, thoughtful, intelligent, brilliant people. And, you know, anxiety and depression is normal. One third of the population deals with that's just normal. It's not even, I would not even characterize that as having mental illness. Um, That the DSM completely disagrees on me, but that's the way that I feel about it. Because if one third of the population deals with it, it's something that's normal to our nature. Um, So, and, and that's just what people go through. Um, You go through something traumatic, the normal reaction would be to you know, have to have to deal with that and, and go through some post-traumatic stress. That is the normal reaction to that. If you don't have that, that might be a problem, you know, in your limbic system. I mean, maybe maybe it's like the mission of this. Like, I, I hear what you're saying about being you know, terrible, maybe not being the best tool for someone suffering from this. But I can't imagine, like, a, a popular game, like, being a good tool for that. Like, what... It, maybe I'm reading this wrong. What I see the mission as in reading about this is destigmatizing this particular problem. Yeah, I think that's a really noble, worthy goal. You know, when I was on mm-hmm. stage in Spirefest this week, I had an MSNBC host that asked me point blank. She said, Bree, how are you dealing with all of this? And I said, just in plain, ordinary terms, I said, I have post-traumatic stress syndrome from this, and I'm in therapy about it. And I talk about it on this show. And the reason I'm open about that, even though it could cause me problems in my professional life, is because I believe very strongly that, like you said, this is normal. Yeah. And I yeah. think we've got to get past this point where... It is stigmatized or it's seen as a problem. I mean, I just want people to just get help and for it to not be a big thing. And I think, like, yeah. we forget on the show just how stigmatized or, or how embarrassed some people are about getting help. And that's got to change. Yeah. So I, I feel I understand your criticism, especially someone who's really dealing with the same thing. And I wouldn't say it's criticism. I said that it would be like more like a worry to those that might be on the journey to it. I wouldn't say criticism because I think that it's 
Like, I'll play, and it seems like a beautiful game. And again, maybe they also, like, deal with her finding her way out of it, which then I think would be great. Um, so that could happen, too. I, I don't know yet. But that's my worry for young people that are that are going through it, that this might make it even more scary for them. Sure. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I, the one thing that makes me feel good about it is having played Enslaved and knowing that they can write a good story. They and, can. And, you know, no, if I because I would be worried, depending on who the studio is. That's behind this, but no, having played yeah. Enslaved, knowing what they were able to do, and, and they, Enslaved is a really fantastic, like emotional story, even. Yeah, that they and do Heavenly in this Sword kind of too. The way that they they deal with female uh, archetypes and main characters is wonderful, really, really wonderful. Not uh, overly sexualized, yet still interesting and strong. And the same thing with the main character that's in Hellblade. It's she's, you know, just it's a very intriguing concept that. Hopefully it'll be good. I guess we'll keep an eye on it and and we'll see what happens when it comes out. It, it sounds like it's going to be a downloadable title, not a a AAA release. So that's also, you know, hopefully that'll allow them to stay a little bit truer to their vision than uh, you know going with a, a AAA release with a major publisher. Hopefully, I guess un- unless you want to yell at Maddie about Kingdom Hearts, we can go on to what <laughs> we we're don't playing. have to do that. It's okay. I think <laughs> well, there's a time limit anyway, and I don't know how long that we'll could save go it. on. We'll save it for- <laughs> We'll do a whole show about Kingdom Hearts, Betty. Kingdom Hearts is a game that's beloved by many people. I understand the nostalgia and it is beautiful in some parts, but mechanically it is not a good game. And that was my only statement on Twitter about it. And I stand by that. It's not, I didn't tell you you're wrong for liking it. I didn't tell you it was, it was stupid. I didn't even say it was a bad game. I said, mechanically, it's not a very good game and it's not. And I stand by that statement. But did you think it in your head, Bree? <laughs> <laughs> Georgia, here in America, we have a little thing called the Fifth Amendment. And, you know, I'm going to choose to exercise that okay. at this time. Okay. There, okay. let's, let's get to what we're playing. Okay, so Georgia, what are you playing this week? Okay, so um, I was looking for games, and I, I love simulation games. So I was like, oh, I'm going to find a, like, a good puzzle or sim game. And so I'm just like looking through all different types of games that are out there, and I see this game called Prison Architect. And I love like all kinds of simulation games. I love Sim Earth, Sim Ant, Sim, like, you know, Civilization, all of these type of games I really love. So I'm like, oh, this is so cute. And you have like all these little cute little like, you know, people, and you have to, like, put them in. And I'm thinking in my head that the game's going to be, like, they're, like, adorable-looking little characters, and it's got this little cartoony look. And so my thought is that, like, I'm going to, like, build prisons, and I'm going to have to make my prisoners happy and help them, you know, rehab and make them get better and live their lives and stop them from trying to break out and and keeping everyone safe. That is my thought of this game. I'm going to state, first off, I'm Canadian. Okay, you, this will come into play in a second. So I get the alpha version. It might be the beta version. But anyways, the alpha or beta version of it, and you get to play a little tiny piece of the game. You know, I, I, it teaches me how to build, which I'm like, oh, this is really great. It shows me how to build a little bit overwhelming. I would have liked to start from nothing. There's already a full-blown prison there, but I'm getting one piece of the game. So I'm like, oh, that's okay. So then I meet this character, and, you know, he caught his wife having an affair, and he, he he's in prison for... for shooting both of that, her wife and her lover, and he's very remorseful, and he went to the priest, and the priest says, you have to come clean, and so he did, went to jail, and then, so I'm playing the game, and I'm like, okay, you know, let's try to, you know, you can have psychologists there, and you can, like, make room so that they're happier, and then they're like, okay, now you have to build an execution room. Oh. And I'm like, wait, what? 
what do you mean I don't build? I'm like, uh, and so I look at, at my husband. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Now, I don't know. I've played Halo, and I don't mind wiping out, like, masses of people in playing a shooting game, which is kind of strange. But now I'm making an execution room, and they're like, okay, build the electric chair. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, uh-oh. And, and I'm in Canada. There's no death penalty in Canada. Like, right, we say sorry, we apologize. That's the way we deal with things. And so my little tiny guy, and, like, you know, he sees the priest, and the priest is like, this is wrong, it shouldn't be happening. And I'm like, we're walking him to the death chamber. And now I'm starting to stress. I'm like, okay, the warden's going to call at some point in time and stop this. Anyways, like, we electrocuted one of the prisoners. And that was the beginning of the game for me. And I was like, this game seems absolutely fabulously well made. But no, I can't play it. I'm not. (laughs) That was like, I was just way too much real life stuck into a video game. And it was grim. And uh, anyways, it's an amazingly well made game. Um, I don't know what everyone's feelings on the death penalties. Some people may not be bothered by that at all, but it was just really very, ah, uh, yeah, it was too much. So I actually got my money back on the game on Steam. So I've used Steam's um, return policy because I just couldn't. Wow. Yeah, I heard that game was a really dark, but I didn't realize that was what it was about. So someone someone says in the real in the real game, you do not need to build those electric chairs. Which is great. I think that they're then their choice of tutorial is horrible because that really, I don't know, it just pushes on. So, and maybe the, the thought is, you know, you, you care about these people and like, I don't know, maybe it's making a political stand. I have no clue. But I was like, uh, that was it. They, they should have started with something different. I think maybe. even I the know. real game is pretty dark, too. So yeah. I think is you it? made the right okay. call. I, I okay. vaguely remember people talking about it when it came out. Beautifully so. well made, though. They really went through all kinds. Of, like you can find out. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. If you like tragedy. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You don't know how we feel about the death penalty? <laughs> I'll let you take a wild guess, Georgia. What would you guess? <laughs> I don't know. I'm traumatized by the game. I can't, I can't right, make a, right. a conscious good decision right now about that. Georgia only approves the death penalty for orcs, and then that's it. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously. And freeing them. Yeah. Freeing them. Well, freeing them. Yeah. Freeing the them. freedom penalty is what we like <laughs> right, to call it. Uh, right. So, yeah. so, Maddie, what are you playing this week? I'm sorry. I played a bunch more Third Strike. <laughs> I should have prepared more for this show and not played Third Strike, but, you know... You only had a few days. I only had a few days, and I played more Third Strike in those days, and I think I'm getting really good with Ibuki, everybody. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Really? How did you figure out Ibuki? Because I, I just practice. I don't know. Well, she's very different. Is she a third juggle strike. character? Is she a combo-based character? She's I'm... combo. She's target okay. combos, all target combos. And since I like MVC, I can kind of get into the target combo thing and just be like, boom, 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 boom. And once I understood that that was the type of character that she was, huh. I feel like I turned a corner on her. But I don't know what she's like in any other game because I've never gotten into her in any other Street Fighter beyond just like cursory trying one time and moving on with my life. But um, I'm really liking her in Third Strike. So I, I'm starting to think maybe I should give her a try in Street Fighter 4 and see if I oh. see if I like her there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying stuff, you know? It's the game that's plugged in right now. So <laughs> Is that like the only game that's on the box or you what? Know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I unpacked a ton more stuff today. So there's a lot of other games available to me now. So I will probably go back to playing other games. But for a while there, Third Strike was very available to me. So <laughs> I promise to play more games next week. I'm sorry, yeah. everyone. Uh, so, Bree, did you get a chance to play anything this week? 
Um, well, I want everyone to know that, um, you know, I've really thought about my life. And, you know, I, I thought about all the time I had been spending playing Destiny. And what I did was I inst- uninstalled that from my really? PlayStation Whoa. 4. No, I'm Whoa. totally lying. I did nothing <laughs> yesterday. I actually was going to feel bad for you because I feel like it's giving you so much joy that I don't want you to uninstall it. I'm glad you're having such a good time. I'm really glad for you. Okay, so I have a clan called the Feminist War Cult. Yeah, you talked about it last week, but you can They're say it so again. Awesome. <laughs> like if there was Yay. ever a game that had like like the sign and like an angel coming down from heaven saying, like, you belong here. Like this is it. Like <laughs> Feminist War Cult is so cool to be like be rolling with people. And it's great that like it's a bunch of people that I super click with. So, you know what, like, uh, actually, like, the author of The Expanse uh, has actually been giving me a lot of crap on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, you know, James S.C. Corey, uh, but, and I know, like, it's a game I've talked so much crap about. Oh, my God, have I talked so much smack about it on this show, but I love it. I don't care. I don't care who judges me. It's Brianna and Destiny forever. So I played that, and also because I I got up for work this morning and I drank some coffee and I went to my computer and I sat down and then I said "f it," and then I went and sat down and just played games all day because I'm the boss and I'm jet lagged. Uh, that's why it's good to be the games boss. boss. Yeah, that's right. I'm the games boss. Exactly. Uh, no, really, I'm I'm very jet lagged. I'm trying to be energetic today, but I feel like crap. I'm just completely worn out. And you did um, a great job. Yeah, yeah um, couldn't even tell. Um, I played a bunch of Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns, trying to give that another shot. I I think I figured out what's stressful about this for me, Maddie. Um, So this is a game that you really need to wander around and solve all these stories. And what I can't get past is that because the clock is constantly ticking down, it makes me feel like I need to follow an FAQ the whole time. And it's just not fun for me to, like, read an FAQ and then, like, follow it to the letter. Does yeah. that make sense no, to you? No, it does make a lot of sense. Um, That was how I felt about the f- the first, like, few days that I played it, in-game days. Um, And then I realized that there was so much extra time that it didn't matter. So let me just reassure you, there's tons of extra time in that game. Just okay. don't worry about it. Banish it from your mind. Wander as much as you want. I don't even really know why they included that mechanic. That game is incredibly weird. And the main thing that I liked about it is all the fashion-oriented battle mechanics because I liked <laughs> putting lightning in all those cool outfits. And there's a lot of really cool gifts you can make from that game of lightning taking on and off sunglasses and, like, you know, staring lightning bolts in the face and stuff. I don't know. It's a really goofy game. And I pretty much only recommend it to people who really like looking at outfits. For that, the game is great. <laughs> but for pretty much anything else, it's very silly and it doesn't really make that much sense to me. I'd be hard-pressed to summarize what happens in that game but um i don't know i think i gave it like a seven which is pretty low for me but i don't know i don't know it's all right (laughs) it's not my favorite video game in the world do you think it's worth because i put probably 400 hours into final fantasy 13 and i put 220 hours into final fantasy 13 too do you think like it's it's are you like a completionist then because i don't think I mean, yeah, you don't need to With spend that much games, time to beat the game. I just love them so much. Yeah, I'm I, tired I just listening to that. Them. No, I know. That's so many hours. Wow. Um, 
I'm not like that. I won't do a side quest if it bores me. I'll just bail on it. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're into. Like for me, fashion is exciting and fun. So I enjoy spending time in that world because I enjoy that aspect of it personally. However, if, if you don't get into that part, then, you know, it might not be the game for you. But I would agree with you. Your original complaint, if I remember correctly, was that the world itself didn't really feel alive. And I, I agree with that. I, I didn't feel excited about talking to the characters. The story... Eh. but I did like the battles and I liked all the outfits and that's enough for me personally. No, I'm, I'm definitely into the fashion aspect of it. I mean, especially the DLC because it will, you know, like, I, I fall for that every time. Like, you know, cloud, Cloud's yeah, outfit. Totally. Uh, yeah, you want three bucks for that? Sure. Yeah. Eva's outfit? You want three bucks for that? Sure. Laura Cross outfit? Four dollars? Sure, sure. And like, I'm willing to get on board a little bit for like the goofy story and like the pretend twists and turns of like, oh, is it your sister? Who knows? She looks exactly the same. And like, hope in the sky you know saying stuff and being a little boy and stuff i don't know all that stuff i'm i'm willing to get on board for it it's a final fantasy game i never understand what's going on but it's very pretty that's <laughs> i don't know i hope nobody ever quizzes me on these games oh wait you did <laughs> last week and i did terribly i i'm gonna like put together a bigger quiz for you a dossier Maddie Myers yeah a job interview about how little I retain I retain so little information from fantasy games it is remarkable to me the ability that I have to just turn my brain off and like forget all of the items and what they're called and all of that but you also have to play a ton of them Sure, but also so, I just like there's a lot in there. I don't know. I just apparently my brain just doesn't retain any of that. So I'm very sorry. I'm 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 excited to do poorly on this upcoming quiz. What's Adia's last name? I don't know. I don't even know what character name you said. Adia. 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 How do you yeah. spell? What is that from? Final Fantasy. Oh. <laughs> clearly from Final oh. Fantasy, oh, no. but I didn't know how to pronounce your name. Sorry, sorry. Bree's having a panic attack. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also haven't played all the Final Fantasies. Look, you don't know who Idea is. That's the baddest, most awesome Final Fantasy villainess ever. I love that design. I've named like four computers after her. She's so wow. great. Okay. Wow. I'm not a nerd. I don't know. What was, now. What's her? You're, you're among friends here, Brie. Look, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I will say that I, I have not started it yet. I downloaded Final Fantasy VII to my Vita. I'm kind of intimidated and scared to start playing it but i'm hopefully gonna try starting to play that this week i hope you just wait for the remake no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> by the time by the time the remake comes out i might be done with it <laughs> uh, you know steve if you were anybody but steve lubitz i'd tell you to watch the cutscene movie but you're steve lubitz so you can't do that i'm not allowed to i, I don't get well that you hate movies so oh, yeah, you wouldn't true. be able to complete it you'd yeah. get bored yeah that's true oh i know so who you she can't is even now. do that she does she does look really cool, Brie. Yeah. I remember her. She's pretty sweet. So anyway, Brie, have you only been playing Destiny and Final Fantasy Lightning Returns? Uh, I also played a bunch of Beyond Two Souls again, uh, which is a fantastic game. And I just, it, it frustrates me that people don't support Quantum Dreams more than we do and, and realize they're really the only company I see in our industry really trying to do something different. And I I love that game. And I, I realize it's flawed, but it's wonderful. So that's been the other thing I've been playing. Yeah, I love that story. I didn't really like it as so much as a game, but I enjoyed mm -hmm. I enjoyed the story of that game a lot. So. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. 
I didn't, but I won't <laughs> talk about it here because I have terrible opinions on video games anyway. <laughs> oh, hi, hi, have you met me? My name's Steve. <laughs> no, look, we all disagree on everything on this show, and it's great. Uh, Steve, what have you been playing? All right, so um, you remember last year when I went to Best Buy during the Smash thing when they were demoing it, and I said I was never going to do anything like that ever again? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to Best Buy this weekend to play Mario Maker. No. Um, <laughs> Why did you go to Best Buy? I know. Well, we had didn't a, you hear th- my story? This is the first weekend in like in like three months that we hadn't been running around for kids' activities, and we had no idea what to do. I'm like, eh, let's go see it and see how it is. So let's it, go to Best Buy. To was Best seriously Buy. your conclusion? Yeah. Okay. So I, I will There's say no that, helping you, Steve. No, I know, I know. I, I didn't. I should have asked them how if the controllers work on the Wii U or not while I was there. But <laughs> yeah, you should have quizzed them. But it actually was better organized than the last time, and I don't know if that's because they learned or just because there were a lot fewer people who care about Mario Maker than they did about Smash. It, it, they had wristbands, and they were calling people by number instead of having, like, a huge horde of people wrapping around the store. Um, so I got to play that, and I got to play the Zelda Triforce Heroes while it was there. Zelda Triforce Heroes I thought was going to be a really good game to play with the kids, and now I'm not really so sure because it's way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And the problem with it is that... You all three players share one health bar, so mm. if you my my oldest was at a sleepover, and the the twin who does play video games often didn't want to play, but the twin who never plays video games for some reason wanted to. So it was me and Maureen and her, and she kept falling, and we lasted about forty five seconds. So I don't usually with co op games like that, it's really good to be able to play co op because you can kind of guide them through. And I was hoping like the whole mechanic where you pick up the other character and make them into a totem was going to help, but that actually made things worse. So mm-hmm. I don't know how this is going to go. I'll probably end up getting it anyway for me, but I don't know how it's going to be for co-op with the kids as much mm-hmm. as I thought it was going to be. But um, Mario Maker is a blast to play. It's really good. And, and I, I think that they're making a mistake by calling it Mario Maker and kind of putting the emphasis on building your own stages. Because I don't feel like that's what the draw of this game is. The draw of this game is taking like these ridiculous stages that other people have played and made and playing through them. Um, so they had like one kind of vanilla stage just to get used to the controls, and then they had a whole bunch of of pre made stages. One of them was just like you have you were up on top of a ledge, and there's a whole bunch of spikes with like a, a gap that was one Mario wide that, and you couldn't see where the gap was until you'd already jumped off. The flag was right below the gap, so you had to kind of judge where the gap was and jump through it. Um, and there were a couple of other stages. There was one called my body is ready. Interestingly enough, um, where you turn into the Wii fit trainer and then start jumping and playing through that. And every time you jump, she shouts up like she does in Wii fit and that the levels are really well done. And I'm hoping that Nintendo kind of does more of that because if, if all it is, is Nintendo putting out some crazy, Super Mario Maker, Super Mario levels, and just giving you like these really difficult Mario levels, that's worth the price of admission by itself. But, uh, you know, I'm not really interested in making them myself, but those were really like a lot of fun. And, and doing that in front of a crowd, you know, really kind of made that a little bit more fun. It could be a, a decent party game with the right group of people. And then they gave us a, a really awesome Splatoon uh, poster and a Kirby coloring book with colored pencils and. The best part was there was a a really surly, like, 14-year-old kid who they made take the Kirby coloring book on his way out. So 
Like he was, he clearly did not want this coloring books. Like no, no. Coloring played... books are for yeah. kids, and yeah. I'm an adult at 14. Was that kid at me? Best at best that buy. That kid was me in the past. Yeah. So he was like, I don't want the, co- the coloring books. Like no, you have to take the coloring book. And he like begrudgingly took the coloring book. And, like, it's funny and, like, that they down. made him take the coloring book. Yeah. Like, that's just strange. That's just weird, but Why funny. Why did they make him take the stra- coloring book? Because it's funny. No, because they had so much stuff. Like they gave us like. 20 of these 30th anniversary pins because they had so much stuff and they were expecting a lot more people than they got so they were just trying to get rid of it all so they like were making people take it so it, but <laughs> it was it was hilarious watching that watching this kid like try to refuse the coloring book like no that's you have amazing to take the coloring book. that kid needs to learn to love kirby i know i'm i'm here for enforced kirby propaganda i'm here I, for that i am all for it um so do we have any uh do we have any housekeeping before we let these people go Obviously, we're gonna we'll put another link to the to Breeze Inspire Fest talk and. Well, what did you guys think of it? Since I mean, I we did the show the night before as I was planning it, right? Did you all see it? I haven't seen, I haven't it, seen yet. it yet. I didn't know there was a link available, so. I, I thought it, I thought it was really amazing how you kind of took kind of the speech that you've been giving for the past couple months and then turned it around and made it into like a celebration of women in games. I thought that was really really amazing how you did that. I have Thank seen you. people saying that it's good, but I thought that those were people who had attended for real and that it was not yet available. But if it is, then I'm doing that right after this. So no, what's no, under no. the show? You hear me talk all the time. So <laughs> Yeah, but whatever. I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> I, I'm very, very proud of the work I did on that. It was, it was, um, I got three standing ovations for wow, it. I, can that's I tell awesome. you a story from this? Like after, after I left it, um, I was mobbed by people, um, like, wow, that was most inspirational and, and like more than I usually get. Like I, I'm used to like going to a convention, having strangers asked to take my picture. This was different. This was like people just wildly enthusiastic about it. I had one woman I was talking to afterwards and she's like, thank you. I cried. That meant so much to me. I go, Hey, that's cool. Uh, Hey, I like your belt by the way. And she goes, you like my belt? And she takes her belt off and shoves it in my bag. Oh my God. It goes like, this is what I'm giving you for thanking you for doing this and inspiring me. It's now my favorite thing that I own. So that's so sweet. Yeah. It's pretty, that's really nice. Brie. You should be really proud. It's a great belt too. So, That's really all that matters, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, how good a belt is it? That's really what you're going to take away from that experience. Well, I'll, I'll say, Brie, I've seen you speak a lot, and this is definitely the best speech that I've seen you give. Thank so, you. I, I thought it was. I thought. It was yeah, really I mean, she's been compliment. getting a lot of practice, so she's yeah. really honing yeah. her skills. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any anything else in anybody? No one has done anything. I've lazed around, and Brie has cleaned up for us all. That's what's That's happened. That's hey, Maddie, it. be ready for a Twitter storm. Okay. I'm okay. always ready. People are okay. already, like, tweeting at me about Metroid, and that episode has been out for, like, a day. So whatever. <laughs> Yay. Whatever. That's what I have to say to all of them. Whatever. I'm going back on uh, Less Than or Equal this week with Aline. We're going to be doing an episode all about ADD. So, awesome yeah that's so, great so we'll uh we'll we'll see if if that's out by then if it's not out by then you won't ever hear this if there is out by then i'll put a link to that in the show notes too so wonderful um so and you can find those show notes at 
uh, relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can uh, send us feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. You can, as always, please do read and review the show on iTunes. Uh, we always super do appreciate that, and that helps us out a ton. Uh, we are, as always, part of the amazing relay.fm network where you can listen to a whole host of uh, amazing shows, including Bree's other show, Rocket. Um, and a lot of other fantastic shows. You can listen to more video game talk on our sister show, Virtual. And you can, of course, uh, follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? Brie? (laughs) Brie? Did Brie fall asleep? I know where they can find her. Embarrassing me. Embarrassing me publicly at Space Cat Gal. Wreaking havoc at Space Cat Gal. That's like scary. Yeah, whatever. That's, that's the, <laughs> it was scary, Brie. It was like the intro to a kickin' techno beat. <laughs> uh, we need Jonathan Mann to do another remix. Uh, and Maddie, where can people find you? I mean, I guess you can tell me that I'm a fake gamer at Samus Clone, and I'll mute you, or you can be a nice person. Whatever. Samus. Whatever. Clone. Preferably be a nice person. <laughs> Preferably Samus be a nice clone. person if you want me to actually talk to you. That's that's my advice. <laughs> And Georgia, where can people find you? Uh, at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> yes! 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 Give it to me again, Steve. Come on. Hasta la vista, good. baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. That sounds we have had so right. So many oh, meetings so good. about how unacceptable our old ending catchphrase was. You know what's so. funny? Steve doesn't know what that's from. I that's know exactly what it's from. I watched yeah, Terminator 2. You don't too. like know what it's from. He doesn't from. know, no. You don't care what it's from. I know what it's from. Accurate. I watched. I did. I never said I didn't like it. I said it was fine. I didn't say it was. <laughs> oh, Steve, I'm Ouch. not even going to be hard on you. You don't, you don't even. You don't want me to play Final Fantasy VII, do you? No, do <laughs> it. Tell your Look, wife I, she's it's fine, fine sometime. I, like, it's, like that's you can't say that about Terminator Two. Like, <laughs> it's great. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch it again now that I'm all medicated and stuff, and uh, and see if I like it a little bit better. Right. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, I don't know, but it's uh, I, I I'm glad that we have improved the outro, and I am glad to have uh, I'm glad <laughs> that we finally solved this this conundrum that we've been dealing with for the past month. I'm, I'm curious, like, did you not like? I I'm curious why you rejected some of my other suggestions. What the one where I was going to have to do extra work to bleep out the to bleep out the f word? You know yeah. what? I think that we should have Steve try out each other. I think so. Suggestion, I and then we so. can vote. Mm, okay, the, yeah. The, the, That's the a good idea. People that are listening to the show can vote. I had some alien-themed ones that we could try. I don't remember what all of Bree's other suggestions were. I'm well, sorry. Well, I have them open in iMessage. What What did you think, Maddie? What do you want? Oh, okay. I suggested Nuke It from Orbit, and I also suggested Game Over, man! Game Over! Which are both alien references. But, you know. Game Over, man, would be a good one. Yeah. Try it. But try it's it, kind Steve. of negative, because it's about how they're going to die. Yeah. Well, not well, that you know that, Steve. So don't act like. Well, I'll do. never know, so it's okay. 
<laughs> you know, Steve, you might like those movies. Like, I feel like eventually we're going to find one that you like because you liked Tron. So it seems like there's hope for you. Like, movies exist that you like. And we watched so. most of uh, X-Men The Last Stand this weekend because it was on. And that was that was so Did okay. you like it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I've watched the, the other X-Men movies. I really Not like the X-Men the movies. The older X-Men movies. I right, have, right, right. Like, we yeah. own, like, First Class and whatever the other one is that just came out. Uh, was yeah. it Days of Future Past or like yes. I, Days of Future Past? Yeah, I, that was great. Yeah, I would like to watch those at some point. I like the superhero movies tip, typically. I just never, you know, it's like I just kind of feel like tired thinking about watching it, and I just don't get excited about it. It's just something yeah. that I, I think it's just mm. an, I think it's just an ADD thing that I just you know I kind of feel tired thinking about sitting and watching a movie for like three hours, and it just kind of like it's not something that feels fun to me. You know what I mean? It's not anything mm-hmm. about any particular movie. It's just the experience okay, of okay. watching Okay, okay, blah, 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 blah. I want to hear some more of these lines okay. read. Okay, give me a Game Over Man. Okay. Game Over Man? No, that's, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good <laughs> no, at all. No, you get a running like, start with it. Be like, that's all this. You can like rape the show, blah, ninja blah, blah. Turtle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did sound like a Ninja Turtle. You sound oh, so man. wholesome. That was awful. Yeah, I, I, I really, I need to like take the take the piece of weed out of my teeth I before feel I feel like we're that. giving Steve all of these like action hero badass phrases and we're like trying to get him to say them and it's Steve and it's just funny. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my my dream of being an action hero is really kind of fading very quickly now. You're still a hero, but possibly Steve, not. You're a different type of action hero. Possibly not a That's space all. marine style hero, but right. some other kind. Yeah. So, 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 game over, man. Doesn't work. Space marine doesn't work for you. Let's try this other line I wrote, which is peaches. So the way okay. you go is like, as always, rate us on iTunes. Blah 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 blah. Peaches. And then the show's over. So could you could you try oh, okay. that? Okay. Could you try that? Blah blah blah. Thank you for listening. Peaches. No. You you have to say it with more gusto. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Peaches. Uh, no, I that's weird. Like no, that's waffle. One. That's worse. I like Try try one. saying it in your, your Batman voice. Try try My Batman, Batman voice. voice. Yeah. Peaches. You can't go any lower than that? Come on. Peaches. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's Christian Bale. There you uh, go. Uh, All right. I'm going to leave. Peaches is it. That's it. Peaches. We're done. I think we're done, peaches, you know? Man. Georgia, did do you want to try it? Which which one? Game peaches. over, man? Give me peaches? A, give me a peaches. Game over, man. Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> we should okay. let Georgia do the sign-off. We should. <laughs>